0: For the word of God. Habakkuk chapter number one. If you're there say amen. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Habakkuk chapter number one. Let's read in verse number one. I want you to notice the language here of your King James Bible. The burden. That's a definite article. A and and the. So it's something specific that brother Habakkuk is dealing with. The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. He's having a conversation with God. If you look at the book of Habakkuk, it's three little chapters. If you uh, uh, count all of the verses, it's only 56 verses. And all 56 verses is a conversation between Habakkuk and God. It is really a prayer. It's not a monologue, but it's a dialogue. Habakkuk is opening in chapter number 1, praying to God, and he is praying to God because of a burden and a vision that he has seen. Look at verse 3, and we'll get some more light on what he has seen. Why dost thou show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance? He's asking a question. For spoiling and violence are before me. And there are that rise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slack. Lord, the nation of Israel is in a mess. There is grievance, there is violence, there is spoiling, there is contention. The law is slack. Look at verse 4. And judgment doth not go forth. Those that are sitting on the courts, those that are judging and supposed to be judging righteous judgment, they have slack. They are not ordaining and and they are not giving out the word of God and they're not giving out judgments correctly. For wicked doth compass about the righteous. He says, Here we are in the nation of Israel and the righteous have been completely surrounded by the wicked. Look at verse 4. Therefore wrong judgment doth proceed. He says when a man sitting on a court does give a judgment or a a priest or a preacher gives forth a word or a judgment, it is perverse, it is wrong judgment. Lord, we are in a mess. You ever talk to the Lord like that? Have you ever been in a position in your life where this is going wrong and that is going wrong and, and it just doesn't seem like anything is working out? Can I say that? Uh, This evening, if you've been saved any length of time, you're going to have times like that in your life. You're going to have times like that where you fall on your knees to pray and you're not doubting God, you're not questioning God. You, just from the sincerity of your heart, you see your countrymen, you see the morality of your country, you see your family falling apart, you see children going astray, and you wonder, Lord, what in the world is going on? Look at verse number 5. Behold ye among the heathen, and regard and wonder marvelously. God's answering him in verse 5. You want me to do something about it? You want me to move? You want me to work? He says, for I will work a work in your days, which ye will not believe, though it be told you. For what are you going to do, God? God. How are you going to handle this unrighteousness? How are you going to chasten the wicked? God, what are you going to do about our nation so far from God? Verse 6, he says, this is what I'm going to do. For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. I'm fixing to bring in a Gentile, uncircumcised, wicked nation, and I'm going to make them a scourge in the hand of Almighty God, and I'm going to chasten the people of Israel. Look at verse 7. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Their horses are also swifter than the leopards. And they're more fierce than the evening wolves and their horsemen shall spread themselves and their horsemen shall come from far. They shall fly as the eagle that hasteth to eat. They shall come all for violence. Their faces shall sup up as the east wind. And they shall gather the captivity as the sand and they shall scoff at the kings and the princes shall be scorned unto them. They shall deride every stronghold for they shall heap dust and take it. Then shall his mind change and he shall pass over and offend imputing this his power unto his God. Little G. He says, I am fixing to bring in judgment. I am bringing in the Chaldeans. This rank ungodly heath nation. I'm going to bring them in and I am going to chasten the people of God. And so this is what Habakkuk's praying about. This is the vision he has seen. This is the burden that he's carrying. He is saying God we are in the midst of a wicked nation. God we are in the midst of bloodshed. We are in the midst of unrighteousness. God what are you going to do about it? Verses 5 through 11 God says this is what I'm going to do about it. Now we go back to the uh, brother Habakkuk and his answer verse 12. Art thou not from everlasting? O Lord my God, mine holy one, we shall not die. O Lord, thou hast ordained them for judgment. And Almighty God, thou hast established them for correction. Thou art a pure eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. If you read the rest of chapter 1, he's saying, hold on God, wait just a minute. Yes, we're in a mess. Yes, we have transgressed. Yes, we are against the will of God. But Lord, you said you're going to do this. You're going to bring in this. And, And how can you take somebody more wicked than Israel to chasten Israel? And I say this today, my friend, what God does in our life and what God does in the midnight of our life and what God does in seasons we don't understand does not mean that God is still not right because God is always right and God will always be right and God will always be just. And whether he sends a blessing or whether he sends a burden or whether he sends a chastening, God is always right and he'll always be right. The nation of Israel had gotten a place to where God had sent them prophet after prophet after prophet. They did not understand. They did not repent. They did not obey God. They mocked Ezekiel. They mocked Jeremiah. They mocked those men of God. And eventually God said, I have had enough. I'm going to send judgment. Let me give you just a little bit of a background. Habakkuk is a very interesting brother in the scriptures, there's twelve minor and major prophets in the Old Testament. Habakkuk finds his uh, place among these twelve. His name means "love's embrace." We have a little bit about his heritage. Many believe that Habakkuk was of the priestly tribe of Levi, thus holding a rare and unique office as prophet and as priest. Look with me in Habakkuk 3:1. A prayer of Habakkuk. The prophet of Shigion Noth. If you study that out, that is language that has to do with music and with song. Look at 319. The Lord God is my strength and he will make my feet like hinds feet. And he will make me to walk upon my high places. To the chief singer... On my stringed instruments, that's Davidic language, that is psalm language. He is a man that can handle the stringed instrument, the heart, the psaltery. He can also handle the priestly duties. He is also a prophet. And so this man, although he preached no message, although he gave no warning, all that we have recorded in 56 verses is his burden and prayer between him and God. He also was a man that was moved with tears. He was a man that could handle an instrument. for the glory of God, this man was unique in the ministry as a minor prophet. If you study this out, rabbinical writings and Jewish tradition have the prophet Habakkuk as the young man of the Shunammite woman who died in the heat of the day when he said, My head, mine head, and he fell down, and the man of God, Elijah, stretched himself out on him and brought him back to life. And we understand that God many times can take a terrible situation and work something out of it for the glory of God. Now whether or not that is the man, we do believe that Habakkuk was still God's man and still inspired of the Holy Spirit to write the word of God, but I'm just trying to give you a little bit of background about what God had done in his life, so that's some of his heritage. Then we see his calling and his ministry. Brother Habakkuk, again, is one of the 12 minor and major prophets, and he finds himself in the category of these 12 great men of God. His ministry is unique in all of these major and minor prophets that he did not speak directly to the nation of Israel. He did not speak to another nation. He preached no recorded messages, but the entire book of Habakkuk is a message about a prayer with a burden between a man of God and, the, and God himself. And it's arguable that 99% of these 56 verses is all a dialogue between Habakkuk and God. It's interesting to me, uh, Brother J.D., that God cares about us so much and loves us so much that he didn't only record about the prophecies of the Messiah, he didn't just record the Gospels about Calvary and the miracles of Christ and the parting of the Red Sea and the Pentateuch, but God recorded a man's prayer and it's a part of the Word of God and it's an entire book of the Bible. You say, my prayers don't matter, my prayers will never change anything, it'll never touch heaven. Can I tell you, my friend, Prayer still changes things and prayer can still do miracles for the glory of God and for His people if we'll touch heaven for somebody else. It's in the Word of God. It's a prayer that's recorded and it's amazing how God has preserved it to this generation. What about the time frame? He was a prophet of Judah just prior to the destruction of Babylon. If you study this out historically Nebuchadnezzar had defected Egypt in 605 BC and was immediately going to attack Jerusalem. It had already been prophesied many years before that they were going to come with the Chaldean herds and with Nebuchadnezzar and with these these individuals that were Gentiles, they were marauders, they were heading for Jerusalem and they were going to destroy it and lay waste to the place that the people of God held dear. Jeremiah had announced this coming judgment where Babylon and the Chaldeans in particular would invade Judah and destroy Jerusalem, burn the temple, and carry off much of the remnant to a 70-year captivity. And this came to pass in 606 B.C. to 586 B.C. And can I say this, my friend? Whether God brings says something about judgment or whether God says something about a blessing or whether God says something about a prophecy, when God says it, you can mark it down. It's going to come to pass. And many years before, Nebuchadnezzar, ever set the first fire to the temple God told them if you do not repent if you do not come back to me I'm going to bring this judgment and that's exactly what happened now Habakkuk is there when it happens Habakkuk preaches no message Habakkuk has no other things given to us in Scripture other than his prayer between him and God and many other men that he was contemporary with like Jeremiah, Zephaniah and others. Habakkuk lived just prior and ministered in this time where he witnessed much of the destruction of this place called Jerusalem. Prophets would preach. Judgment is coming. Israel, you better get right with God. You better repent. You better turn back to God year after year, prophet after prophet, message after message. But finally, although the gears of God's judgment grind slowly, and I'm glad that they do, they do grind, and eventually God brought judgment, and Habakkuk is burdened about it. Habakkuk is troubled about what he is seeing. With the help of the Lord this afternoon, I want to preach just this simple thought to you and try to be an encouragement. When life is less than ideal, when life is less than ideal, that's where Brother Habakkuk is, and that is what God has spoken to my heart. There are going to come times in our life, mom and dad and grandma and grandpa, where we don't understand even children, what is going on in our life, and it seems like we have a vision of how it should turn out. We want it to go a certain way. We want a certain thing to come to pass. We have even prayed a certain way, and we have it all worked out from A to Z, 1 to 100. We know how it's going to work out. We've saved for the kids' college. We've prayed. We've kept them in Sundays school we've kept them in church and then it seems like life happens and the wheels fall absolutely apart and everything is just chaos is anybody listening to me there are times in our life where things are less than ideal and here it is there's no more preaching there's no more warning where is God in all this this marauding horde is coming from the sunrise. They are making their way to Jerusalem. Habakkuk has had a vision of it. He can see the blood running in the streets. He can see the temple on fire. He can see the desecrated altar. He can see the unspeakable acts that are done to men, women, and children. And the hordes being carried off unto a 70-year captivity, those that were not murdered in cold blood. He sees all of this. And for Habakkuk, Life is less than ideal. I don't know about you, friend, but as I look around America and I look around our country and I see the moral depravity of today and I see families in a mess and I see churches in a mess and I see our government in a mess, it seems like life is less than I would want it to be, but God is still in charge. God is still on the throne, and God is still saving sinners, and God is still raising families, and God is still sending missionaries. And I was sitting here today to remind you that when life is less than ideal, God is still in charge, and God is still good. Habakkuk is summed up basically this way. In chapter number 1, Habakkuk is troubled by Jehovah, uh, his government of Israel and the nations he doesn't understand why he's letting sin go unjudged God hears the prayer of his servant he answers him I will judge with the Chaldeans Habakkuk hears God's reply and says Lord you can't do it that way how can you use a more cruel instrument than Israel to judge Israel that's what all chapter 1 is Chapter number 2, God reminds Habakkuk that he will judge Babylon also. This scourge that I'm sending in, they are going to fall under my wrath one day. I'm going to judge Nebuchadnezzar. I'm going to judge the Chaldeans. I'm going to judge Babylon. It will fall. It will burn. And those that I have used in my sovereignty to judge my own children, they will not go unscathed. Those Gentiles will feel my wrath. And he tells him in chapter number 2, I'm going to take care of it all. My friend, whether we understand what? what's happening now or what's going to happen tomorrow or what's happening with brother so and so or sister so and so or where's my children or what's going on with my country God is still in charge and God is still right on time and God is still just and God is still holy and God is still worthy to be praised chapter number 3 Habakkuk understanding that the just shall live by his faith praises God for who he is regardless of the circumstances You may be like Habakkuk today. You may be living in a less than ideal time. You may think that you're living in a less than ideal situation. You may be like Brother Habakkuk and you say, I have no message to preach. I have no warning to sound. But you can still touch heaven for your family. You can still touch heaven for your church. You can still touch heaven for your country. You can still touch heaven for the upcoming election. You can still touch amen, Heaven for somebody maybe laying down with an illness. You can still go to your prayer place and in the midst of an uncirc- unknowing circumstances, you can still go to an all-knowing God and cry out to God with a burden and say, God, regardless of what comes, regardless of what happens, I'm going to serve you, I'm going to worship you and I would be like Habakkuk, if all I can do is pray, I'm going to pray for the glory of God. There'll be times when you as a child of God will experience seasons, long and short, where things don't make sense, life is not worked out like you envisioned, Preacher, what can I do? How can I hope uh, cope in this godless world? Children are lost. Grandchildren away from God. Family away from God. Government in shambles. A nation under the judgment of God. How can I live above the fray and the confusion? What can I do when life is less than ideal? Here's three things I'll give you and then we're going to pray and go home. Number one. Always remember... When life is less than ideal Brother Landon always remember That the just shall live by faith Look with me in chapter 2 verse number 4 Habakkuk 2 4 This is what your Bible says Behold his soul which is lifted up in him uh, Is not right up in him But the just shall live by his faith My friend when life is less than ideal. You have to remember this cardinal truth that we were saved by grace through faith, that our life with Christ initiated by faith, and we live each day by faith. We build by faith. We raise our children by faith. We work on our marriage by faith. We attend church by faith. We give to missions by faith. We forgive by faith. We love by faith. We serve God by faith. And one day we will eventually die by faith. Habakkuk's message is to remind me and remind you that when things seem less than ideal, we must focus on the eternal and not just the temporal. We must go beyond the now. And focus on the hereafter. We as the people of God do not always operate just in the physical. But we also operate in the spiritual. And faith makes that possible. Faith is working in your heart today. That's what got you down to this church in the Green River Cove. Is because you still believe it's right. You still believe God can. You still believe God's in charge. And your faith is working this afternoon. Praise God for that. Regardless of what happens, what comes, may, God is in control. Faith rises up and faith says, I believe God that he's still on the throne, that he's still in charge, and if the stars fall from their sockets, I'm going to have faith that God knows exactly what he's doing. Subject of faith is so large, it's so crucial. The Bible tells us that without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to him must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest uh, lest any man should boast. My friend, we know that everything we do in the Christian life is by faith. Furthermore, God uses a chosen vessel named the Apostle Paul who wrote a majority of the New Testament. He said this in Romans 1.17. He talks about dealing with justification by faith. That is how we're saved. Galatians 3.11, how the just shall live by faith. That's our daily walk. And Hebrews 10.38 through chapter 11, examples of those who live by faith. Settle in your soul. Nail it down. Get a bulldog grip that you're going to live by faith. You're going to wake up tomorrow and regardless of what the devil may throw at you or the world or the flesh that you are going to live by faith. Romans 8:28 and we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God to them who are called according to his purpose for whom he did foreknow he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his dear son amen that he might be the firstborn among many brethren moreover whom he did predestinate them he also called and whom he called then he also justified and whom he justified he also had glorified and thank God amen when gravity loses hold On this flesh, one day, this life that we've lived by faith, we're going to drop down this flesh and we're going to rise to seize the everlasting prize and faith will become sight and it'll be worth every mile. Amen. Number two, not only when life is less than ideal, do you need to live by faith. Remember that his mercy is everlasting. Look at chapter three and look at verse number two. O oh Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. When he heard what God was going to do, it moved this man to fear. O oh Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. Man, what a great verse of Scripture. God, in the midst of this chaos, in the midst of this chastisement, In the midst of this bloodshed with the temple gates on fire and with the temple desecrated. God in the midst of all of this I want you to revive us. I want you to give me help. I want you to give me strength. I want you to help me go another mile and go another year for the glory of God. I still believe God's people can be revived. He said revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years make known in wrath. Remember mercy. Friend, when life is less than ideal, you're going to have to live by faith. But you're also going to have to understand that His mercy is everlasting. When life is less than ideal, always remember that God is merciful. He is compassionate and He is slow to anger. Preacher, I have sinned. Thank God there's mercy. Preacher, I have messed up. Thank God there is mercy. Preacher, our country is falling apart. Thank God there is mercy. Preacher, our family is in trouble. Thank God there is mercy. Preacher, we're under the judgment of God. There's a famine for the hearing of the Word of God. But thank God, He is still merciful. He's still drawing. He's still mending broken hearts. He's still saving sinners. He's still putting marriages back together. He's still saving wayward children he's still building churches and thank God that his mercy is everlasting Micah seven eighteen, who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage he retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. And thou wilt cast all their sins in the depths of the sea. Thou wilt perform thy truth unto Jacob and mercy to Abraham which thou hast sworn unto our fathers from the days of old. I'm telling you there is one preacher that's thankful this afternoon that God is a merciful God and that God is gracious and that he's slow to anger. And thank God none of us got what we deserve. All of us deserve to be in hell with our back broke but oh thanks be to God he came by your way and he came by my way and he came by my son's way and he came by Miss Eileen's way and he came by Sister Kristen's way and thank God that he held back the floods of hell so we could be saved and be in the house of God on this day in January thanking God for the mercy of God Amen Preacher what do I do when life is less than ideal, you're going to have to walk by faith. Remember that God's mercy is everlasting. And number three, and I'm done and so is my voice. Rejoice in who he is and what he has done for you. You say, preacher, you got any Bible for that? Go to chapter number three, look at verse 16. Just trying to preach it expositionally through the text, and pull out a truth from each of these three little chapters try to be an encouragement to you in your walk with the Lord. Habakkuk 3.16 When I heard, my belly trembled. Now the last two verses we looked at talked about this man of God fearing, about this man of God trembling. Verse 16, he says, My lip quivered at thy voice. I'm going to tell you what, there's times in our life saved and headed for heaven but there are news that we can hear even God sometimes sends a message sometimes he does a work amen in our heart and it can tremble make us to tremble make our lip to quiver amen make us uh, have a reverential fear about his power and his all, or perhaps a work he's doing in our heart and life and I believe that's where Habakkuk is. He sees judgment coming on his nation. He sees many that will be slain, many that will be carried off in into 70-year captivity. He sees everything desecrated. And this man of God is in a situation where everything that he loves is about to be destroyed. He said, my lips quivered at the voice. Verse 16, rottenness entered into my bones. And I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. I'm thankful, friend, that no matter how bad it gets, if Washington continues to lose their mind, if men and women don't even know what gender they are, and they still continue this sodomite agenda, if they still continue to murder innocent babies, if they continue to bring us under the judgment of God, that thanks be to God, because of the grace of God, because of the mercy of God, the church can still find rest in the day of trouble. Look with me in verse number 16. When he cometh up unto the people, he will invade them with his troops. He sees this horde coming. He hears the the beating of the hoofs against the earth. He hears the ungodly chants and cries and the beating of the war drums. And he knows what is coming for his people. Look at verse 17. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vine. These bunch of reprobates, not only did they kill men, women, and children, haul off everybody else to Babylon. Did they only not destroy the temple and the gates and desecrate the altar. They were salting the earth. They were burning vineyards. They completely licked up anything good in Jerusalem. It's a horrible invasion. You can study it in your own time. The labor of the olives shall fail, something they held dear. And the field shall not yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Look at verse number 18. That's a pretty bad situation, ain't it? I mean, that's pretty nasty. That's an awful thing. And you study out this captivity and and what happened to children and what happened to women and men and, and how they've torn down the gates and they've set the temple on fire. They've destroyed cow and they've destroyed calf and sheep and camel and vineyards. They've burned and destroyed it all. Look at verse 18. Yet will I rejoice in the Lord I will joy in the God of my salvation. He says, hey, when I look on my right, there's trouble. When I look on my left, there's bloodshed. When I look before me, Zion is on fire. When I look behind me, the olive yards are burnt. There is nothing in my circumstances to worship God about. There's nothing around me that's beautiful. But he says, oh, when I look up, when I look to heaven, and I see the glory of God, and I think about what he's done, I've got plenty to shout about. I've got plenty to worship about. It's not about what's going on around me. It's what's happened in me. And thank God when life is less than ideal, we can still thank God for who He is and for what He's done. Amen. Amen. Verse number 19. The Lord God is my strength. Don't live life based on your circumstances. You're going to be in a mess if you try to live the Christian life when everything's going good. Because when everything starts going bad, you're going to have a hard reality. The Christian life is not just when things are well, but also when things seem to be unwell. God is still good. And we cannot serve and worship God and testify and give and pray and be thankful and be faithful just when our circumstances are good. As a mature child of God, we have to serve God and love Him when things are not so good. Look at verse 19. Where do I get strength to live by faith? Where do I get strength to remember His mercy? Where do I get strength to rejoice in the Lord and for who He is and what He's done? The Lord God is my strength ladies you're washing them dishes and people may mock this and laugh at this if they hear this later on that's okay I believe God is concerned about the lady washing dishes and got her hands full with children and she's changed a hundred diapers and got ten thousand more to change one of you ladies better say amen you men that are on the job and you're with a bunch of devils and you have to listen to ungodliness and it affects your mind and it affects your walk with God and you want to do things a certain way and you want to go a certain I think God can give strength in those times in those midnight hours with that baby with a fever and that child that's away from God in the midnight hour washing dishes in the midnight hour amen burning oil and making a living for your family I believe we can draw strength from God even in our midnight thank God and in our daylight that's where our strength comes from you may think I'm crazy friend I have prayed and asked God to help me change brake shoes on a car before I've been a, running a train before from Birmingham to Atlanta and be absolutely wore out trying to help in the church, uh, do a Sunday school class, build a house, run a business, working for the railroad. I'm talking about stress. Beyond imagination, pastor resigned, the church falling apart, and I'm trying to carry 200 cars from Birmingham to Atlanta, been up for two days, and I've been behind the throttle, blowing the horn, and all I could say was, God, you're going to have to help me get this train to Atlanta without killing everybody. Y'all might think I'm crazy, but God help me. I'm telling you my friend if it matters to you it matters to the master and whether you're trying to raise babies or make ends meet or carry cars from Birmingham to Atlanta or try to pastor a church or try to raise children or try to pray a wayward home thank God we can get strength from God man the Lord God is my strength draw from him thank God for that he has endless supplies he'll never let you down And he will make my feet like hinds' feet. He will make me to walk upon mine high places. To the chief singer on my stringed instruments. Brother J.D., in the midst of all of this sorrow, he looked over here and he said, Oh, Levi, bring your banjo over here. He looked over here and said, Micah, won't you grab your guitar? he looked over here and he looked at sister so and so and said Martha why don't you get on the piano and when the temple's burning and the field's been salted and they've destroyed everything and we don't have nothing else to do we're going to get together and we're going to sing the 23rd Psalm and we're going to sing amazing grace how sweet the sound and God gave him a song in a midnight and thank God when it seems like life is less than ideal you can still We'll have a song in the midnight for the glory of God. I'm finished. I'm going to give you an opportunity here in just a moment to pray. When life is less than ideal, remember that the just live by faith. If you're saved, it's it's a walk of faith. It's not always going to make sense. God didn't say figure it all out. God said, child, trust me. It's a walk of faith. Remember that his mercy is everlasting. And number three, rejoice in who God is and what he has done for you. Amen. Let's stand together, every head bowed and every eye closed this evening. I thank you so much for your patience and your kindness. Even your children, you did a good job listening. Thank you for being here. I'll give you just a moment, every head bowed and every eye closed. Give you an opportunity this evening just to pray in the stillness of the moment. Some are coming to the altar. These altars are open. We don't have a pianist, and that's okay. We don't have a verse of just as I am. but Maybe in the stillness of the moment, you just want to pray and say, God, thank you for letting us meet one more time. Thank you, Lord, for letting us hear these sweet songs of Zion that Brother J.D. let us in. Thank you for the songs the children sang and the verse that they quoted. And thank you God for the record of Habakkuk who reminds us that when life is less than ideal we're going to have to live it by faith. We're going to have to remember that his mercy is everlasting. We're going to have to remember that we rejoice in who he is and what he has done. Listen to me child of God. We have stories in this room today that would make us all tremble. There's burdens that folks are carrying today that we may not even know anything about. But I would dare say respectfully listen to me, please don't misunderstand me. I wouldn't hurt anybody in here for all the money in the world. But I don't think any of us are quite as bad off as Brother Habakkuk. I mean, they were murdering children, they were taking people captive doing unspeakable atrocities. The temple is on fire. The vineyards are on fire. They have killed everything. But in the midst of all that hate, in the midst of all that despair, and in the midst of all that bloodshed, Habakkuk said, God, I don't understand what's happening. God, I can't see what's going to come out of this for the good of you and for the good of your people. But God, I'm going to live by faith. I'm going to worship you for who you are and what you've done. And Lord, in the midst of all of this, I want to thank you that you can revive the work in the midst of the years and that your people can find rest in the day of trouble. Heavenly Father, I love you. I thank you.